Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. We're recording this a little bit late because we're all running a few hours behind. And trust me, it's not because we were up watching LSU and Mississippi State last oh, speak night. For yourself. Speak, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself, Jeff. Uh, you guys, you, you people are insane for doing that. You, you are, you, you get what you deserve for that. That game I'm ended not, at four o'clock in no, the morning make, Eastern time. I had just gotten home, Jeffrey. I had just gotten home. So, well, <laughs> Brian and I we were spent spent yesterday in Clearwater, um, and, and we'll get to that here in a second. UCF wins in dramatic walk-off fashion over Memphis in an elimination game. So the Knights move on to Friday, keep their season alive, and also their NCAA tournament hopes alive. Uh, but we have even uh, bigger news to talk about in a little bit. We are blackandgoldbanneret.com, the uh, home for UCF Sports on the SB Nation Network. You can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret as well. And don't forget, you can download this podcast and subscribe to it on a number of platforms, all of your favorite podcast platforms, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. All right. We're, uh, we're going to get to the baseball. We were going to lead with baseball. All right. Um, and uh, and a lot of hosannas to say about that. But all of a sudden earlier today, <laughs> this uh, this dramatic news drops uh, from uh, from uh, South Florida. The USF Bulls have scheduled a two for one with the Alabama Crimson Tide. 2023 in Tampa, 2024 in Tuscaloosa, 2026 in Tuscaloosa. Um, so now, and, and I'm quoting uh, Chris Vanini here from uh, The Athletic, UCF fans won't like hearing this, but for all their complaints about two-for-ones, USF has Alabama, Florida, and Miami coming to town in the future. Yes, it's different with USF playing in an NFL stadium, many road team fans, but this is how you get those opportunities. Wow. Um, this is... Uh, <laughs> This is real. This is really something. Um, I think we got. I think you got to give some credit to uh, uh, to USF AD Michael Kelly for. Uh, I mean, a che- the, uh, a serious chess move. I mean, this is and and it does feel like you know Alabama to me is is in a uh, is in a conspiratorial sort semi troll job with USF. You know, where they're like, hey, we'll play in your stadium and watch. This will set this will set the internet on fire because I don't think Alabama would take a game at Spectrum Field. I'm probably um, – or Spectrum Stadium. I could be wrong on that. But what do we think about this? Uh, Eric, I know what, – what, no, I, you know what? I'm, we're not going to go to Eric. That's going to be the cherry on top. <laughs> Brian, let's go to you. Let's, let's inject some reason into the conversation first. Wow. Let's, get, let's just let's, – let's, let's settle into this conversation. Let me – uh, yeah, I will yeah, lift, let's, I, let, let's, we're not going to put it right into fifth gear already, okay? Let's, yeah, let's yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's just drive in second for a little bit. I will warm. I will warm the engines before Eric blasts us into the stratosphere. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, Chris. Hey, Chris hits it right on the head, and even some UCF, uh, you know, uh, media members who have been critical of USF before for their scheduling uh, have have complimented uh, the Bulls here, and rightfully so. Uh, it is a two for one. You not naming names. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't want to. I don't want to blackball myself against anybody with UCF media. But it, it is a two for one. But you, you, you get Bama on the schedule. Like you're playing Bama and everything that comes with it. Uh, so it, it's a huge get. I don't care if you have to go on the road. I don't care if that game in Raymond James was you know played outside of Raymond James. Like you, you're you're playing Alabama. I think that. That's a, that's still a major issue. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a major kick. So um, I, I really have no qualms with what USF has has really done here. People have disagreed with 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 agreeing to so, to so many two for ones. But we talked about this a couple. Of, well, like I think last week about how the yeah. black, you know USF has no leverage here. Uh, they need to do what they need to do to get big opponents. And you look with with like what Chris said with. Florida, Miami, Alabama. They get Wisconsin this year. They get Texas in 2020. I mean, yeah, some of those games aren't 
terms because they got to go on the road, but you're still playing those teams. And that in, in the end is what this is all what UCF's trying to do as well is play those teams. Yeah. Th- this is what I think is, is brilliant about this is not only do they get the, do they get Alabama on the slate for three seasons, but they got the game in Tampa first. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's big is let's say, and I, and I have to, I've, Forgive me for not giving credit for, to the first person who put this out there because I know I'm not the first, and I'm so sorry to them. But um, someone brought this up, and I forget who. But they said, if Alabama buys out of the third game in 2026, it's effectively a home-and-home. And if Alabama buys out of the last two, it's a one-and-done with the game in Tampa. And I realized, look, we're a UCF podcast, and – and here we are talking about South Florida scheduling Alabama. But, I mean, that's that's a master stroke. And, it, and right now it seems to me like South Florida is doing the things that we thought UCF should be doing um, at this point. So I'll turn this over to you, Eric, while I – excuse me, while I, you know, put some padding and a helmet on. Um, <laughs> I've, got my pop, I've got my popcorn also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well <laughs> um. I guess if you're if you're Danny White right now, I think the the conversation just radically shifted. I thought it did last week, but um, but now it's gone from what's you what's UCF going to do to oh my god is UCF going to do anything or can UCF do anything at this point? What do you think? I, I think that's a question that it's, that's the question everybody has, and I don't know if there is a good answer on that one. I don't know like, if there is anything. Who you could do. UCF schedule at this point that that would make people be like, "Up, oh, right back at you." You know what I mean? Well, Murph brought it up when we were talking before we recorded. What a Clemson, right? Somehow convinced Dabo to come. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, um, Notre Dame, something like that. I don't, I don't even. I I don't. Even, I mean, I mean, Alabama is the. I mean, you talk about the premier. Here's the thing. Let's give credit to Michael Kelly first. I know there's a lot, you know, let's, let's forget all the yapping back and forth and, you know, and I'm sick and, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of sick and tired of the, the, the finance, you know, everybody talk about the resources and tickets sold. It's kind of become like, a you know, the advanced metrics in baseball, you know, where, oh, let's focus about the war and let's focus. How about we just focus about the actual game uh, and on the field? And well, for Michael I Kelly, I don't, I don't agree to that, but go I ahead. know you know, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Advanced metrics guy. Uh, you should have seen Brian Gumble just go off on you on real sports, but <laughs> um, let's give credit to where Michael Kelly has done here. And I think it's not been, you know, fairly reported a- a- enough. He has taken a disadvantage that South Florida has had, which is they don't have an on-campus stadium. They don't, they have an NFL stadium and has turned that into an advantage to bring in marquee teams. Yes, they're going to give Alabama more tickets and Florida more tickets, but that's a big stadium. There's plenty of money to be had for everybody. And I think that's Michael Kelly's advice uh deal on this. And what he has done here, okay? And you've seen it all on social media and you guys tell me when was the last time you saw that fan base over there be as this excited about that program? Let me know because Probably after they beat Florida State. (laughs) Probably about it. And and I tweeted to Colin. I'm like, you guys have no more excuses now not to go to games because they've done their part from a scheduling standpoint. You've got marquee home games just about every year, even this year with Wisconsin to start. And they should be going to those games. And that fan base is going to be excited about that schedule. They're going to go to games. I think they're going to obviously set it up to where fans have to buy season tickets to be guaranteed of having those games. So that's and that's the, how they're going to get their money. And oh, by the way, you don't think the recruits in that area are watching this? They're like, whoa, hey, I get to play some marquee games if I go there. So there's a recruiting aspect to this. There's an ex- television exposure to this. You better believe that it, that games will be nationally televised. You're going to get great exposure and good TV time slots. It's a win-win for Michael Kelly. And it was interesting because he was he was featured on Spectrum 360. Uh, they did an interview with him and, and a part of the storyline was basically, you know, the, the, the scheduling and they even posted some tweets from UCF people that we will not mention that was very openly critical of South Florida scheduling. And Michael Kelly's like, we're going to do what's best for us. And we haven't, we're not even close to being finished yet. And I wonder if he'd been in the back of his mind, this Trump card, he was ready to pull out and, uh, 
Yeah. No credit to them. Well, I mean, credit I, to them. Yeah, credit credit to them. And I think I think you're right. He and that exactly is Michael Kelly's job. His job is not to worry about whatever UCF does. His exactly. job is to worry, is worry about his school and his school only. Um, and he's done a brilliant job. So I I mean, this is the part that kind of that kind of frightens me a little bit. You know, as someone who follows UCF, is you know, it, it, it is that the longer this kind of stuff happens. You know, the 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 more difficult it's going to be for Danny White to to snatch the narrative back. Um, and it's well. Here's the thing: you wrote about this, and I encourage people to read your article. He doesn't have a ton of options, Jeffrey. You broke you broke it down. It's not like there's a ton of options for him at this point uh, to match that, unless there's some adjustments being made. Yeah, I mean, well, which I wouldn't rule out, but here's the here's the other part thing is I think that now we've been speculating a lot about how, um, you know, how should UCF use the Citrus Bowl if they're trying to schedule these kinds of games. And now I think they're kind of backed into a corner where they have to do that. And, um, I, I, you know, I don't know how prickly the Citrus Bowl and, and Florida Citrus Sports are with you know, scheduling game uh, with, with negotiating games and matchups like this. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we're looking at the late, the power five team slots, it, it, assuming that UCF plays one FCS team and one group of five team in their non-conference schedule every year, four games, uh, non-conference every year. Uh, the next slot <clears throat> would be a home game in 2021. They have two, uh, Power Five home games in 2022. You could probably put one on the road to replace the FCS. They have two open slots in 2023. They've got a road, uh, a home slot in 2024, and a road slot in 2025. And we we broke it down. I mean, right, right now the most immediate, the the schools that have the most immediate need in the Power Five conferences are you know teams like TCU and um, I know Arkansas has. Believe it or not, actually Alabama. <laughs> Alabama had a scheduling need, and I found that out in that one in that one piece. Like they they are not scheduled um, as much as you think. In fact, um, so you're saying we could make a phone call? We could make a phone call, but <laughs> but uh, let's see. With uh, with South Florida, trying to pull, again, 2023, 2024, 2026, right? So um, so that 2023 game fills up their last slot in that season. They do have a 2022 slot open. Um, 2024, they have three slots open. Bama does in 2026, they have two slots open. So yeah, they're, they're only, you know, uh, before this weekend uh, or before basically a few moments ago, they were, they were less than 50% scheduled from 2020 to 2029. So they still have slots open. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of teams out there that have, uh, that, that have openings, but you know, the, 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 the numbers are dwindling. I mean, you know, you could get Tennessee or Texas A&M. You could get Auburn. Um, you know, we, I know last week we mentioned Washington, Florida State, and Miami still have a lot of openings, but I think you're going to have to mend some fences there. LSU could do something. Um, well, US, here's the here's the question for both of you. But, yeah, go is, ahead. This, let, let's, let's play the let's play the let's play the other side of the coin here, because I'm sure what Danny White UCF will say is like, fine, you guys could schedule all those tough games. We're going to stick to our plan. We're going to get home and homes. And if we go 11 and 12 and 0, we're going to be playing in major bowl games and winning the conference title regardless of who we play. And we believe no matter who we schedule, we have no chance of making the playoff uh, in this system. So why should we play these games if we don't really benefit from it? That would be the counter argument, right? That's that's a fair point. Like it, you could you could make the argument that until the playoff system changes to an eight team playoff, and there's and there's potentially guaranteed access for a group of five, for a group of five team, you know you could say well exactly that you know, screw it you know you can go ahead and play all your power five uh, all your you know Alabamas and Floridas and whoever else's but. You know, we'll go ahead and we'll we'll go one loss or undefeated every year. We'll win the conference championship and win the things that we can control, right? And make money that way. And and make money that way. And we'll take our big fat check from that CFP uh, from the uh, from that uh, access bowl 
all the way to the bank and 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 screw you guys, you know, <laughs> screw you, we're going home. But um, the 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 calculation that you that I think is is getting interesting here is you know what does the UCF fan base want? Do they want UCF to right. go undefeated and win a conference championship, get an extra home game, by the way, more often, you know, at least fifty percent of the time. Um, and go to a big time bowl game every year, or do you want to get a big time opponent on your schedule um, that you'll be paying for with your season tickets? That's that's that I think is the gamble. That's a great question, and I think I, that's a good. And I wouldn't be surprised if people are divided on that, right? Because yeah, I think there are people that are like, you know what? No, I want my home games. I want to go twelve and zero. I want to be in the top ten. I want to go to Atlanta and I want to yell and scream. I've been, th- the- I've been through, yeah, I've been through two two winless seasons since two thousand four. Sure. I want to see us win a lot of games now. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> but then there's the counter argument, like, man, it's a lot of fun to be playing up to Alabama there. I mean, that's a lot of fun too. Well, I mean, or, that, or, or, or is or is it fun to get beat? You know, to, to get beat, you know, fifty five to twenty by Alabama. It, I don't know. It, I, it's, it be, well, but don't you want? Man, well, hold on a second though. Isn't that the opera? Don't you want the chance? I mean, isn't that the whole right. screaming thing two years ago about the playoff? Yeah. We want I, our chance. Yes. Yeah. Well, I do, but I also understand the other side of that argument. What do you think, Murph? Well, to 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 just put like kind of break the tie there. It seems like no, it doesn't matter about the chance of getting crushed by Alabama. Anybody just wants the chance to play Alabama full stop. You want to be on the same. And so you had an equal, and, um, and that's all you need. So uh, there's that. I think also, you know, Jeff, you mentioned all of the open slots that UCF has in their schedule over the next how many ever years down the line. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of our angst, a lot of the fan base's sort of trepidation and some, Anger and upset today. Space just like there, there hasn't been the, those spots are still open, and so I think maybe all of this, maybe all of this becomes a moot point within you know in the next twelve to eighteen months and whatever else as we, as UCF fills out that schedule, and we'll see what they do. Uh, I doubt that Alabama will, will be on that schedule, but that doesn't mean that some other great programs won't be as well. And so maybe maybe this all evens out for UCF. Maybe today is just a uh, a very sort of anxious day for the program, but in the end, uh, maybe Danny White will will still have some tricks up his sleeve. Well, he's gonna. Uh, it's gonna be really interesting to hear him um, uh, address this situation because I think didn't we say t- it? It's tonight, Thursday night, May twenty third. Is the is the New York City um, uh, alumni gathering? Charge on tour event. The charge on tour event. Yeah. So, uh, and um, I'm going to be, man, I, I really hope that somebody's got a cell phone in that one because I would love to hear what Danny White has to say um, about that. It's because uh, it, now that it used to be, it used to be a story that was fairly easy to dismiss. Oh, don't worry about it. You can't dismiss it anymore. It's a, it's a story. And it's something that, well, that and it's that a story that's going to be ongoing this summer. Yeah. Every time, an announcement is made with scheduling and all that. And let me ask you both this. How much pressure does this put? Because here's the philosophy, right? The philosophy is if you, you by scheduling the seven home games, the revenue coming in to keep those fans interested, you got to win games. If you don't get marquee home games, you better win. Yeah. And I think that obviously, I mean, that means you got to win a lot. Yeah, that puts that's more the gamble. pressure on the, right? That's the, yeah. that's the strategy. Whereas, you know, if you schedule a, you know, an Alabama and lose, hey, it's Alabama and there's no, you know, but, that's it's a it's, fascinating yes. strategy that both schools have gone completely opposite. And by the way, may not necessarily be wrong. Again, for anybody that's criticizing South Florida for what they're doing is absolutely idiotic because what Michael Kelly's doing is what I think is right for South Florida. I have no problems with what they're doing because you know what? He has to worry about South Florida. He doesn't have to worry about UCF. And then you know, in any way, they shouldn't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. He's got to worry about what UCF, what's best for UCF. Yeah. By the way, I think that would be the other thing is Danny White come at, Wouldn't it be fun to see here Danny White, you know, get that question and be like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about what they do. Their schedule is their schedule. I'm worried about what we do. And our strategy is this. But um, yeah, I think Eric and Brian, I think both of you guys hit, hit the nail right on the head is that the, the, it's an interesting calculation. And to see these two schools who that, you know, we've like it or not. Agree or not, we've basically been hand in hand with 
uh, with USF for quite a while now. And if there's a conference move, um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a package deal. And we are we are effectively well, you assume that him. you assume that that's not a guarantee. Um, well, nothing's we, a guarantee, but it, I, it, I wouldn't it, assume that. I, I wouldn't would, assume. I I think I I think it's a fairly safe assumption. I, I disagree. Safe, especially strongly. Now, now, okay, why? Because they don't have to take both. I mean, they, they, first of all, no, we, they don't no have to, to. But why wouldn't you? Because they don't have to. They can go in a different direction. Why do you want to tap into the same market, basically, in the Central Florida area? You because don't you have can, to. Because if you're if you're a team that if you're a, if you're a conference that has no Florida schools in it, and we've gone over this in the whole Big Twelve debate, right? That your your other teams get one trip to to the state of Florida guaranteed every year. Yeah, but that may not be what appeals them. I mean, that's the thing. We don't why know. Why not? <laughs> like, because they haven't. If, they, if it did, why didn't they pull the trigger already? Because Texas and Oklahoma don't want to do it. The Big 12 right. is a wholly owned subsidiary of the University of Texas, who already recruits in the state of Florida. But right, you and yeah. I have talked about this before, about how you know, you and I don't think that Texas and Oklahoma are probably very long for the Big 12 anyway. So No, that that's happens. the other question. I mean, yes. I mean, at that point, what are we really joining? Which is why I really don't think I don't think that big payday that everybody thinks is coming is coming. Um, they might join the rest of the Big 12, but I, I don't think it'll be the Big 12 that people think. And um, We're not going to know for another five, five six, six years. years. Yeah, right. so. So, I mean, we'll see. Right. But there's no guarantee in life, so we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, for all we know, five years from now, and that's the other thing. How do we know that by the time these games are played, USF's not a top 25 program? I mean, right. everybody's just assuming right. that the layup. I mean, nobody knows well, what these games well, here's the other. Uh, well, here's the other thing. How do we know Alabama is going to be Alabama well, in twenty? I mean, that's twenty three and twenty. But, but you no, know. but that's the that's the beauty of the football future scheduling in football. But yeah. So all right, all right. Um, last word to you, Murph. I think that for UCF fans, with the wait and see, it's a it's a kind of a bitter bitter day right now to see rival scheduling the the top team in in the land, but. Uh, as Jeffrey has laid out his article, that there's a lot of spots that UCF can fill, and I'm sure uh, I do trust Danny White to get good opponents uh, to, to sort of to, to make all this sort of a moot point. Like I said, uh, going down the road, I think UCF can still get really good opponents, but, but will they get Alabama? Probably not. And so in this round, USF is certainly wins. This does feel like a wrestling angle, doesn't it, guys? It's, it's like oh, it's you've, been feuding, you've been feuding with the one, you've been feuding with both this of these teams basically is, separately, and now they've joined Punk and John Cena. Man, this is this is what it is. It's it's great. I love it. This Look so at Jeffrey great. just Jeffrey just dropping wrestling things. You know, I know you don't watch wrestling. This is like you know, you've done it like four times like the last couple of weeks. It's, it's kind of shocking to me as as a person. Uh, me and Eric are the, like the wrestling fans, but it's all Jeffrey dropping wrestling references in this podcast. YouTube is my best friend when it comes to wrestling knowledge. All right. I, I feel like, I feel like UCF right now is Shane McMahon. It's got two different feuds. We're feuding with USF, and we're which, which is like maybe perhaps you know uh, is the Miz, and then we're feuding with Alabama, which is like Roman Reigns. And I feel like and we're uh, right now UCF fans, much like Shane McMahon. Are sweating all over themselves right now, trying to figure <laughs> out what their next big opponent is going to be. All right, I'm. You know what? I I I can't top that. We're stopping this segment right there. Okay, we're moving on. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about UCF baseball walking off against Memphis last night in Clearwater. Brian and I ha- and Eric all have the sleep deprivation to prove it. Uh, we'll talk about that more when we return. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Right side, base hit. It's bobbled in right field. Pena comes around third. Here's the throw. Pena scores, and it's over. The UCF Knights stave off elimination in Clearwater. They defeat the Memphis Tigers 8-7 to in 10 innings on a walk-off single by Dallas Beaver. Whoever that play-by-play announcer is, man, he nailed that call, didn't he? Dulcet tones. <laughs> I that that, that was uh, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, uh, Brian Murphy, and Eric Lopez with you. That was uh, UCF baseball uh, getting the victory in ten innings, eight to seven over Memphis in walk-off fashion in an elimination game last night at the American Baseball Championship in Clearwater. Our thanks and my most profound thanks to the folks at the American Digital Network and the American Athletic Conference for not only allowing us to 
um, to air that, but also allowing me to do those Memphis games. Uh, and it was UCF and Memphis's first ever meeting in the American Baseball Championship. Uh, Lord knows they've met each other enough in football. And I tell you, these two these two schools, they just can't get away from thrillers, can they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm That's sure Memphis has just I'm sure Memphis has just absolutely had it with with close games in every sport well, with UCF. I think but, Memphis is I think as Murph has alluded to in the past, I think Memphis is just looking ahead to Penny Hardaway year two. I don't think they care to be honest about baseball football right now. <laughs> Well, uh, it, it was a big win for UCF nonetheless because uh, the Knights actually started the tournament as the sixth seed, um, lost to Tulane on uh, in the nightcap of the opening day of the tournament, five to two in a game where so all the runs were scored in the first two innings, and then Chris Williams for UCF and Caleb Roper for Tulane just engaged in a pitching duel after that. And UCF had several chances late and couldn't push anything across. Roper was fantastic through more than 130 pitches. But that stuck UCF in the loser's bracket where they played against Memphis. And if there's one thing we know about Memphis baseball and their history, it's that they cause havoc in the loser's bracket. They knocked out two teams in 2015. They knocked out two teams in 2016. They knocked off knocked out one team in 2017 in the loser's bracket. They weren't in the uh, tournament last year. They failed to qualify because they finished in ninth place. But this year, they're back. Uh, they lost their first game to Cincinnati. And it didn't look good there for a little while. It was 7-4. to four. Uh, Memphis brought the bats last night. They hit three home runs off of Grant Sherman. Uh, but uh, UCF kind of chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and forced extra innings, tied at 7 and that was uh, and that was Dallas Beaver who had the game-winning hit in the bottom of the tenth to uh, give UCF um, the victory. Murph, I know you know we both were there. Um, the aftermath of this, UCF gets a day off and they play the winner of a game today between um, Cincinnati and Tulane. Uh, what did this mean for UCF other than other than just staying alive till Friday? Yeah, I mean, that's really what it means is, like, they, they continue to play baseball. Uh, UCF has known for a few weeks now that uh, if they want to make the NCAA tournament, they, they probably need to win. Well, they need to get some regular season wins, which they did, and they, they need to win at least two games in the conference tournament. So a loss here would end their season. You could say a loss on Friday against either two late Cincinnati will end their season. Um, so it just means they get to play again. And also, last night also was just another example of – how wild this season has been for this team. Because uh, it feels like we've we've sort of had this type of game many times before this year, uh, where UCF sort of either, no matter what the game is, they're going to find a way to make it really tough on your heart uh, as we head into the late <laughs> innings. Like they, they, every, Everything is There's close. a reason I'm on blood pressure medication in my mid-30s, but anyway. <laughs> everything is tight. Everything is pressure-packed. And, you know, like you said, they chipped away. They tied up in the eighth on infield single from Dalton Lingo, who had three hits in the uh, And Beaver comes through in the 10th. He's their you know, leading RBI man. And uh, UCF now, since I think April 23rd, so really 30 days, in the last 30 days, they have played seven one-run games and have won all of them. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how this team sort of has the knack to play games that are just not easy, but nothing has been easy for this team. They have dealt with numerous injuries, uh, to their pitching, to the pitching staff, both starting and their relievers. Uh, they started out really cold in conference play, lost 10 of their first 15 games in conference. Um, and, and yet here they are with all of that against them, sort of fighting and clawing and scratching their way onto the NCAA tournament bubble where really they are left with obviously a do-or-die game tomorrow um, in so many respects. Uh, it, it obviously, you know, if they, if they lose, uh, that, that's it. Their season's done. And yet if they win, uh, probably by one run. I'm going to bet they won by one run. Whoever they face, if they win, uh, we will see what happens on Saturday. Then. Latest RPI actually showed UCF jumping four spots uh, after games played through yesterday, which – Kind of makes my, kind of makes me scratch my head because Memphis's RPI is down in the hundred and hundred and twenty in the hundred and twenties or hundred twenty sixth. 
um, must have been some of the things that win happened. Percentage, other the win percentage. The win percentage improves yeah. when you win, so you get a slight yeah. bump. Yeah. Well, they got well. Their UCF right now is at a 600 win percentage, but uh, um, I, I want to play the uh, post game interview with uh, Greg Lovelady that Haley Outen uh, conducted for the American Digital Network last night. Let's go ahead and listen to Coach Lovelady. Coach, your team scored runs in six different innings to chip away at this deficit all game to send this game to extras. How much fight did they show tonight? Well, one, we got to praise God. Um, you know, we've been like this for like 20 games, just fighting like crazy and backs against the wall. I'm really proud of the kids. Just never gave up. You know, obviously those first couple innings were rough. Um, you know, Memphis did a great job. You got to tip their hats. I mean, they came out swinging the bat and uh, really got to Grant. And, you know, our bullpen did enough. Um, it just held on and held on. Our offense just kept chipping away, overcome some bad coaching mistakes, um, and, and just found a way. I'm really proud of the kids. It's it's been a it's been a crazy couple weeks with a lot of games like that, and I'm proud we got to get uh, got the win tonight. Yeah, you mentioned your bullpen, five scoreless innings to give your offense a chance to get your team back into this game. How vital were they to the outcome? I mean, huge. We talk about it all the time. I mean, you got to hold them. Uh, just give us a chance. Just hold them. Put zeros up on the board. Let us keep chipping away. Um, you know, I would have liked to get some more crooked numbers up there earlier, uh, but the guys just kept kept fighting, kept uh, you know putting together good at bats, getting guys on base. And like I said, you, you got to give a lot of credit to, to our bullpen for just holding down the fort and giving us a shot. So huge win, uh, survive in advance, and uh, you know we're, we're going to enjoy tomorrow's day off, that's for sure. You mentioned the adversity that this team has faced in the, bat, in the postseason, rather, is about being battle-tested. What did they prove tonight? Well, again, I think when you, you know, past experiences breed confidence. And so when you put, you've been in those situations before, you just feel more confident knowing that you can overcome any kind of deficit, overcome any type of obstacle. Um, and we've done a lot of that now, whether it's been up by a lot and holding on for dear life late or whether it's been, you know, getting behind and having to fight and come back. And so uh, I just feel like we're confident group when we get in these situations just because we've gone through a lot of it in the last couple of weeks. So you just got to give all the credit to our kids. They, they, they just battle, overcome me and, and just find a way. Thanks, Coach. Enjoy the day off. Appreciate it. So you could, you could hear in that interview, um, and again, credit to Haley Outen and the uh, American Digital Network, Coach Lovelady was really emotional after that game. And, and, and it seems like, it, on the outside, it seems like a kind of an unusual game to get that worked up about. But it, the way this team, like you said, Brian, have been winning these games, um, it just, it takes a lot out of you. And I can't imagine what, what love lady must be going through at this point, um, given how these te- how this team has pulled itself up out from that you know five and ten conference start. Believe it or not, it was the regular season series against Memphis that kind of jump started things, and and now they 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 remain alive. But 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 what do you think was the source of that? I think he looks at this team and he knows this team is probably not as purely talented as the 2018 edition. Uh, that team was also uh, left on the outside looking at the NCAA tournament. They were one of the first five out last year. But that team had uh, really – Ryland Thomas offensively was a better hitter then than any of the hitters they've got now. Their bullpen was definitely better uh, last year. Uh, they had guys like J.J. Montgomery, who just in a pure talent sense is probably a better starting pitcher than anybody they've got right now in their in their rotation. So – this team is not as good as that team last year, and yet they're kind of at the same. They're kind of at the same level. Uh, this team probably doesn't, you know, not that they don't deserve it, but you would not expect this team to be at this level. They probably should have already been dispatched or done in by a long conference season in a good conference, um, and they're just not. They're just not. Uh, they're just not dying. My, I wrote a lead yesterday in my article for the Sentinel, which I said that UCF is basically baseball's version version of a tardigrade. Uh, they, <laughs> they're really difficult to kill. Uh, and I think that's where the emotion comes from. This team just will not die. Uh, they, 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 you know, it's cliche to say they don't give up, but you know, with your season on the line in the seventh inning uh, down by a couple runs, when, you know, you really haven't gotten great starting pitcher performances, you've left a ton of guys on base uh, and you can get down on yourself. They just keep chipping away. And uh, I think that's where the emotion is. The emotion is the fight and, and the, the effort that this, that this team puts forth, even though they're not the most talented bunch. Elo, all the mushy stuff aside, um, it's a numbers game at this point. And as I'm checking the RPI, the latest RPI from games through last night, including UCF's win over Memphis, ECU has the top RPI 
uh, of teams in the uh, in the American at five. Now they're in the losers bracket on the other side too, um, but they dispatched uh, Houston um, at t- uh, thirteen to two uh, and eliminated Houston. That's a big loss for Houston as they go zero and two in the tournament. UConn uh, is in the winner side of the bracket. They're playing today. Uh, they're at twenty seven. Uh, we mentioned I mentioned Houston, whose uh, RPI actually. The, the the loss to uh, to ECU actually helps them from an RPI standpoint. They're at 43, one spot ahead of UCF at 44. And then you got a long wait till you see actually the team that's the eight seed, Wichita State, at 83, who actually knocked off UConn um, in that or, or uh, knocked off uh, ECU, I should say, in that in that first game. So. What are the experts saying at this point about UCF? Because it's they're right on the tape, aren't they? Yeah, and I and I think that's the thing. They're right on the line. It depends on what you read. Baseball America, as of uh, Thursday afternoon, has them as one of the as the second team out of the field. And then uh, Brian, you you're you're the D one expert. Uh, they D one well, still has them in, right? You you you've got the access. Uh, D1 in baseball had him at 64th heading out of 64 heading into the game yesterday. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. So, so now they're up to, I believe 62. They're among the, out of the, out of the last five teams in, they are listed as the third of five teams in, but in his article, Aaron D1 baseball says, you know, you said baseball they're in, but they need to win at least one more game to stay on the right side and probably two. Basically, you know, like we've, like we've said for a couple of weeks now, this team needs to win at least two games in the conference tournament to, to make to have any chance. Right. And this well, is the thing, and, Mur- and, and this is the problem, though. They might, they, they might do that, but as Murph has brought up in the past, we brought this up last year, it may not matter if there's some bids that are going to get stolen. Like, for example, Boston College on Thursday just wrapped up winning their group in the ACC tournament, which means Boston College is now in the ACC championship game. So if Boston College wins the ACC tournament, that's one spot less. Um, not to mention the American. We got three teams that could steal a bid that are live right now That with Wichita State, who's in the winner's bracket uh, as of Thursday. They've got the game with Connecticut. And then you've got a, a Tulane and Cincinnati. One of those teams is going to be a win away from getting to the final. And that's the problem because they are teams that could steal the bid. So yeah. – that's the tricky part that for UCF. That's why when I, we, we did our preview show earlier in the week, I felt that for UCF to get in, they need to get to the final because that way you would have eliminated three bid stealers in your own group. Right. And, you know, now potentially you have to fight off a Wichita State. And then, you know, you got to you got to think about what if there's upset bids elsewhere. The thing that's fascinating, you bring up Houston. I'm curious now, and I don't know, Murph, if, if, if Aaron brought this up on D1 or not. How does Houston and UCF compare? And because I don't know if there's room for both of them. And I think UCF should be ahead of Houston in the pecking order. They beat Houston head-to-head. They've gone further in the conference tournament than Houston. And you look at their the, the breakdowns. Houston's best wins was they won two out of three against Dallas Baptist, who's a great program. And they won a midweek against A&M. Uh, but that's it. Um, yeah. To me, UCF, if you got to pick one, and I don't think there's room for both. I know, I think D1 believes they can get four in. I'm not sure if yeah. I buy that. I right. uh, hope I'm wrong because I like the league and I'd be great. But I think the league is a three bid league. And I think UConn and East Carolina are locks. So I think there's another spot open. And I think it's between UCF, Houston, and potentially a Cincinnati or a Tulane or Wichita if they were to win the tournament. Did they break down Houston at all in, the, uh, in their latest after they're getting crushed by ECU? Well, they haven't in the last couple of days because uh, currently they're in. So they were just talking about teams that are like uh, on the outside. Like for, for, for D1 baseball, I mean, again, it depends on what you look at. But for D1 baseball, they consider Houston to be uh, comfortably in, meaning that they're not even wow. part of the last four. They're not even part of the last four or five in. Uh, they, they're actually above that, according to them. Now, I disagree with that. Like you laid out, Eric, like, it's, it's been a rough week for them, and I, I, and I think it's going to be a really long wait for the Cougars uh, after losing four or five here in the state of Florida over the past week. Um, but D1 Baseball didn't mention them today in the stock report, uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, they think they can get four teams in. I think if you're UCF, you're rooting for yourself, and you're rooting for East Carolina. 
or at least stave off elimination uh, yeah. yesterday by by uh, taking care of who they, oh, they took care they took care of Houston. They crushed Houston. Right. Well, by the way, Bailey Baseball America also has Houston in. They have them as a three seed in College Station, and that might play a role in this because of that region with Texas Tech and Texas A and M possibly hosting. That might benefit Houston. My arg- counter argument to that, you know, Houston's now what uh, Murph? They've lost. I believe four, what four of their last five going four in. Four of the last five, four, yeah, five all, all in the state of Florida. It's not been a great time in Florida. Yeah, and, they, and yeah. UCF's been playing better. And you know, Houston lost the series to UConn during the season and lost them again in the tournament. To me, UCF should get in over Houston. Whether that happens or not, who knows? Right. I, th- I think the other thing to be mindful of here is, you know, head to head, UCF and Houston. I think you do give the nod to UCF based on like what you're talking about. That UCF beat them two out of three, and Houston went zero and two in the conference tournament. But the wild card here for me is Tulane because even though their RPI is down at eighty nine. They to me are the best equipped to steal to be a, to steal a bid now, and I think that's certainly true based on what we saw against uh, UCF. But man, the hitting for Tulane it has just been unbelievable this year, and they could be in a position to knock UCF out if they win today uh, against Cincinnati. By the way, Cincinnati's the the two seed in the in the entire tournament. But um, if Tulane matches up with UCF and and beats UCF a second time in the tournament. And then if they get to face CCU or who or whoever beats ECU in the championship and win that, I mean that's that's really going to help Tulane and I think that they're the team that scares both Houston and UCF to death right now, aren't they? Well, uh, Tulane this the equation is simple. Can they outscore you? Um, I mean, their, their, their pitching is just not that good. I should, now I shouldn't even say that because Caleb Roper owns, <laughs> I he owns UCF now. Caleb he owns Roper, the tournament. It, he struck out 11 in a game last year <laughs> in yeah. the tournament against ECU. But, and he was fantastic the other night. I mean, Roper entered the, he, he had a, he had a, he had an ERA above six in conference play this year, but in two starts against UCF, including the one on Tuesday, he's now throwing 17 innings over those two starts. Three earned runs, 20 strikeouts, two walks. He's been outstanding against UCF, just not great against anybody else. Tulane's pitching staff as a whole has been Tulane's pitching staff as a whole has been really sort of well brutal. But they bashed the hell out of the ball, uh, led by Cody Hosey. And then you, you got Hudson Haskin, and they they got a ton of guys. I think they're like number seven guys hitting like 320. Um, so I mean that's the equation. Can they outscore you? And so anyway. Yes, they have a road to it because they have a clear, you know, bona fide strength. They are one of the best offensive teams in the nation. Um, that doesn't mean they could lose. They could certainly lose a fourteen to eleven game to ECU. Yeah. Well. Well, and here's the thing. Now, now, now this is the thing. Roper started that game, went to complete game on Tuesday on a hundred and thirty-six pitches. Yeah. Right. But I wonder if he will be available in relief this weekend if Tulane gets to this weekend. Um, especially if Tulane's playing UCF. You mentioned it, Murph. He owns them. So yeah. if Tulane's yeah. playing UCF, let's say, on a Saturday, I could see Tulane bringing in Roper to at least eat up, get a few innings in there. Uh, Maybe. Well, he, but, he might He might have to do it left-handed, let's be honest. But now, if, let, me, if, let me ask you. Go ahead. Right, right. No, I agree. Let me ask you both this question, because Sam Unger asked this question right after the game, because, you know, why not? you got to ask him at late hours <laughs> all these important questions of, of the season, which is, if Uh-oh. you're UCF, if you're UCF, who do you are you? Would you prefer to play uh, Cincinnati on Friday in a one game deal and then have to beat Tulane twice, or would you rather play Tulane uh, on Friday, beat them once, and then have to beat Cincinnati twice to get to the final? What's which track would you prefer? I'd rather take Tulane once. I agree. Rather, I agree. Yeah, I agree. because you're not going to hold that offense down. For two games, I mean, even the game they lost, even the game they used to lost on Tuesday, they lost five to two. And when they played Tulane in New Orleans last month, uh, Tulane only scored ten runs over those three games. The fewest runs that Tulane scored in any series this season. And I think after you know, at, at some point, there's going to be a, a progression to the mean with that offense that ranks in the top ten in so many categories in the nation. Uh, so I don't, I don't think you can bet on 
holding that down twice more. So, yeah, you'd rather see Cincinnati win today against Tulane, face Tulane tomorrow without Roper, and then try to beat Cincinnati twice. If you can get past Tulane, try to beat Cincinnati twice on Saturday. All right. Well, we're going to find out who UCF plays uh, later on on Thursday. Cincinnati, the two seed. Tulane, the three seed. Uh, Thursday night at 7 p.m. on the American Digital Network. Go ahead, Eric. Jeffrey, what was your thoughts on Cincinnati having seen them live and called their game there? What I mean, what stood out I, to you? Because we I mean, we were discussing about how are they, how did they get to the two seed? Does you know the numbers doesn't really suggest the, anything, but you got to see them up close. I, yeah. I mean, how do they do? I did my prep work on Cincinnati, and I asked everyone I could find, uh, you know, associated with the Bearcats um, about it, and they all said the same. And, and I said, how did you guys do it? And they all said the same thing: We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, uh, they're they're last in every major hitting category in the conference, including on base percentage, scoring, you name it. But they just found a way to finish above five hundred in in the conference. Everything was kind of a mess around them, aside from ECU, and all of a sudden they're sitting pretty at thirteen and ten, um, and in the two seed. And then, of course, what do they do against Memphis? The worst offense in the conference scores eleven runs on thirteen hits. So, uh, I don't know. It just goes to show you the crazy randomness that plays into Clearwater and the sport of baseball um, in general. It should be an interesting game at 7 p.m. tonight. UConn-Wichita State going on at 3 p.m. on Thursday as well. So, the loser of UConn and Wichita plays ECU Friday at 3. The loser of Cincinnati and Tulane plays UCF at approximately seven on Friday. And then from there, it's just, uh, we'll, f- we'll just figure it all out. Saturday, sa- Saturday, semifinal Saturday, we could have as few as two games. We could have as many as four. The championship is Sunday uh, between the two semifinal bracket winners at noon, by the way. And, and that's not a double elimination in the semifinal. It's however many losses you had in it uh, through the semifinals, uh, that gets wiped out. It's a winner-take-all championship game on Sunday, so we're not going to play two games on Sunday. Semifinal winner versus semifinal winner. Noon ESPN News on Sunday. Make sure you follow American underscore BSB uh, and American underscore DN for um, all the latest highlights from that. And and uh, I want to s- extend a, a personal thanks once again to the folks from uh, the American, Chuck Sullivan. And uh, by the way, props to the USF folks who uh, host that tournament. Their team's not in it this year. And uh, and they they do a wonderful job hosting the tournament in Clearwater. So huge thanks to them. Uh, thanks also to Scott Railing and uh, the and the good folks at uh, L Two Productions uh, for um, for again an outstanding job. And thanks to my uh, broadcast partner Garrett Wolverd and uh, and Jeff Brightwell who allows me to tag in for him uh, for those Memphis uh, for those Memphis related games in the tournament the last four years. It's been a blast. And uh, thanks again to those guys for another. Uh, outstanding year in uh, Clearwater. All right, let's take a break. Come right I, I'd back like to thank the catering. I would like to thank. Uh, <laughs> Wait, like one more. Services, the food. I'd like to thank the catering services. The food's been awesome in the press box. Really they good. are outstanding at Spectrum Field. They are fantastic. Those cheese steaks yesterday were unbelievable. Man. It was really, really great. So yes, thanks to everyone at Clearwater on that. Um, we're gonna take a break. Come back. We'll wrap up a couple of things, and uh, we'll talk a little. Uh, UCF uh, golf. We'll talk a little UCF tennis uh, and wrap things up here in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're back at the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you. Let's wrap this show up here real quick. Um, women's golf in the national championships in Fayetteville uh, saw their season come to an end after three rounds. They were ranked number 43 in the country coming in. Um, and uh, they finished in 22nd place, ahead of the number eight Vanderbilt, number 36 Tennessee. Um, uh, number two Texas finished up on top of this that first three rounds of stroke play, and then they kind of play it off from there into match play and whatnot. But um, uh, so UCF's uh, run in the NCAA con- uh, finishes in uh, women's golf. Their first trip to the Nationals in 23 years. So congratulations um, once again to head coach Emily Marin. Uh, Anna Laura Collado, Elizabeth Moon, Maria Balcazar, Alyssa Lamoro, and uh, and Chinatsu Kobayashi uh, for an outstanding uh, run to the uh, to the uh, Nationals. Um, tennis. Uh, now neither of the teams 
made it, unfortunately, to uh, the to Lake Nona. But there were two doubles teams that uh, that advanced um, uh, on the women's side. Valeria, uh, excuse me, Valeria Zaleva and Ksenia Kuznetsova won their first match in the uh, in the doubles tournament uh, over uh, uh, over a, a team from St. Mary's, but lost in the second round to McKenna Jones and Jessica, or excuse me, McKenna Jones and Cameron Mora of North Carolina um, in a uh, 7-5, 7-6, 5-8 decision on, uh, in the first, in the second round. So uh, a tough break there, but congratulations to you. They were the 15th, they were the 15th seeded um, doubles team um, and uh, losing to the 13th seed there. And also on the men's side, um, Bogdan Pavel and uh, Trey Hildebrand, uh, the number 18 seeded men's doubles team, lost to the number one seed Sven La and Jimmy Bendick of Baylor, 4 6, 7 6, 11 9. That 11 9 is a tiebreaker, by the way, in the first round. So that was a tough break for, uh, for those two, but, um, but nonetheless, a very successful uh, doubles for UCF. In the uh, in the tennis championships, you get you get a men's team in, you get a women's team in, and I think we might have a singles also. Or, or uh, actually, no, there was an, uh, one men's player in the uh, singles was Gabriel DeCamps. He um, lost to number fifty three Joseph uh, Gillen um, in uh, in his first match. Uh, so it was unfortunate for that one, you know, to come down to a loss. But uh, he did go down in an injury in the first game of the third set. Um, fought back onto the court, uh, and, uh, after the second game of that final set, he couldn't, he, he couldn't go on, um, to camps finished, uh, uh, 18 and 10, um, on the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about before the trajectory of men's and women's tennis and Murph, you wrote about this as well. And Eric, you know, you and I, we've talked about it all throughout the year. Um, I think that the nation is now on notice about both UCF men's and women's tennis right now. Murph, what do you think? Well, it's also just part of the, like, you know, just the great athletics department overall that, that, that uh, Danny White has constructed here that a lot of successful programs, but you're right. I mean, these teams, both these teams had really, really solid seasons. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just kind of amazing how everything on campus seems to be turning up gold, at least, at, at least for this athletic year, it was, um, it's kind of been uh, a, a bit of a fairy tale for how many good programs that this this university has put together. Yeah, how about uh, Eric? I know that you've you know we we've been following this pretty closely, and um, you know, wow. I mean, what do you think is in store for next year for uh, John Roddick and Brian Nico in these two in these two teams? I think more of the same. I mean, they're just getting you know their their feet. I mean, I know the women's team is a young team in comparison, and the and as well as the men. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal job. And and let me just say this. There is no UCF team has had a losing record the last two seasons in any sport. Mm -hmm. Think about that. So for all you clowns, you trolls out there, oh, they can't constantly complain. <laughs> no, like, somebody, like, somebody take a drink. Somebody take oh, a drink. boy. It, it, Here we it, go. I cannot believe my head. Like Murph brought this up earlier in the last segment about people complaining about Greg Lovely. Like, are you crazy? Like the guy's won 35 games. He's got you on the cusp of the NCAA tournament with a team that just about, you know, not a lot of things went well this year. Yeah. Um, this every, there should be no coach, none on campus that should be even critiqued for another couple of years. Stop it. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop being the, get a life. Good Lord. How can anybody be upset about anything going on in, on the field right now and across the board? It's absolutely mind boggling to me. This is an now, A plus podcast, man. This is great. Go ahead, Murph. Now, I, I, and I will be Eric's uh, interpreter in saying, you know, he's the anchor part. I will just say, you know, football has kind of spoiled everything for all the other sports because all of a sudden now, mediocrity or or perceived mediocrity, where you're just competing to make the NCAA tournament, where you're just over five hundred, where you're having a good season but not great season. All of a sudden, those good seasons now seem awful because football has been out of this world brilliant. Uh, and we should not lose sight of, like, you can still have good seasons without being perfect. 
Um, and that's what this university has done. Uh, basketball, both teams, baseball, both tennises, golf, rowing is a complete monster. Uh, and, and so just, just like make sure you have some perspective on this. Like baseball has not had a, a, a fantastic season. There's been a lot of reasons why, but they've had a good season. They've had three good seasons in a row. And now Coach Lovelace on the hot seat for just barely getting his team into the tournament or barely being a bubble team because that still counts. That should still be considered quality. It could be a lot worse, and it was a lot worse just a few years ago with Terry Rooney. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you brought up rowing because this is the one thing that I wanted to end the show on is uh, congratulations once again to Becky Kramer and the, NCAA, and the UCF uh, women's rowing team for the fifth straight year. They're in the NCAA rowing championships. Um, they held a uh, viewing party. Um, they were uh, they got in, obviously, as automatic qualifiers, but it's the highest seed UCF has ever received in the NCAA rowing championship. Um, the varsity eight seeded 18th. Um, the second varsity eight uh, is, seat, is seeded 16th, and the varsity four... Uh, is it 15th? So the uh, NCAA rowing uh, championships uh, will be in Indiana- Indianapolis May 31st through um, June the 2nd. And uh, UCF is looking to improve on their uh, 18th place uh, finish last year in the Varsity 8. And the Varsity 4 uh, was 20th um, last year. Second Varsity 8 was 21st last year. So they'll be looking to um, advance on that. So congratulations to that team and, and some of the hardest working athletes. Um, the women's rowing team, this is what's amazing about them, is that the overwhelming percentage of members of that team are not on scholarship. Uh, and uh, and they're, they're basically all walk-ons. Uh, there are a few scholarships, but not many, especially compared to the sheer number of rowers that UCF has on all their teams, all the eight boats, all the four boats, etc. So congratulations to them. They deserve it. Um, just outstanding, outstanding work by Becky and her staff uh, once again. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Murph, I know you and I are both pretty sleep-deprived. Um, I'm going to take a nap after this. I don't know about you. You probably should. No. Um, what- <laughs> I'm, I'm literally just mainlining coffee now at this point. It's fantastic. There's yeah, baseball wow. on everywhere. What do you mean he's going to oh get my God. sleep? Well, is, hey. is there – listen, did they – you got to tell me the LSU dugout right now. Do they just have straight like you know Death Wish coffee in the Gatorade containers or what? They should. This is <laughs> LSU, this is an LSU team that's currently playing. This is we're now recording this at two in the afternoon. They're currently playing after having their game last night and after six hours, seventeen innings, and Eastern time around four in the morning Eastern time last night. They're now playing this afternoon and currently leading Auburn one nothing in the second inning. Uh, so UCF fans think that the game is a little sleep deprived. Cannot complain because LSU is out here literally zombie walking over a baseball field. This is absolutely played, insane. Played a six-hour, forty-two-minute game, and the longest game in the history of the SEC tournament. Blew it away by over an hour and a half in a seventeen-minute class. I'm pretty sure this is. I'm pretty sure this is one thing that the. Southeastern Conference should not be proud of. Okay, well, just leave it at that. Um, Murph, I know you'll be in Clearwater the re- uh, starting uh, tomorrow for UCF's game against Friday, and then, um, and then, uh, and then points unknown after that. Um, Eric, what do you have coming up this week? Following all this baseball, I mean, we're following this baseball. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating next handful of days. You know, with UCF, can they make it to the final? Bubble talk up until Selection Monday. Um, I mean, just tracking to see where they stand. I mean, this has been a thrilling ride. And, uh, you know, you just hope for them. They, it works out for them because, boy, they've left it all on the field. Whatever, regardless of what happens uh, the rest of the way, th- this team has left it all on the field. And, a, you, and I think, Greg, you mentioned earlier in that interview, hopefully, I think badly wants this team to get into the field. We'll see if it happens. But that's really what we're going to do. We're going to follow this, this story. Uh, what transpires in Clearwater, and how many more hours does Murph have in him in, uh, in Clearwater? <laughs> I, well, as, long as, they, as long as they keep rolling out the cheese steaks and the quesadillas in the press box, Murph's got plenty of hours. And the beef. Ta- don't uh, forget the beef taquitos. Don't forget the taquitos. So. Can I? I do want to bring up two positive points real quickly because I I want to mention before we get up there. Um, UCF might have an advantage going into the Friday game, no matter what. Uh, either Cincinnati or Tulane because they'll they'll have Jordan Spicer on the hill. 
Uh, here's a guy who uh, I've said many times looked lost early this season. He got demoted out of the rotation. Uh, they didn't really know, you know, where he was going to be good at as far as like midweek rotation. He just was not good any anytime he pitched. But now over his last handful of starts, he's allowed, I think, five earned runs his last 28 innings. It's been a really an amazing resurgence for, 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 uh, for the senior. He will start Friday's game and UCF might actually get some reinforcements in its bullpen. I talked to David Litchfield last night. Litchfield was considered to be a high leverage reliever coming in this year, but he had complications coming back from Tommy John surgery. And then he suffered a biceps injury uh, at the Miami game in Coral Gables a couple of weeks ago. He hasn't pitched since then, but uh, talking to him last night says he's feeling better and hopes to, that he can pitch in that game on Friday. He said, you know, so uh, considering that UCF might end up having to play as many as three games uh, on Friday and Saturday, they'll take as many bullpen reinforcements that they can get. And I, I think it, it should go. It should it should not be overlooked how, at least in these two games that UCF has played, uh, Chris Williams and Grant Sherman, the starters weren't great. But what they did do is save the bullpen a little bit uh, with only Louis Ferrer pitching on Tuesday, and then only Grant Williams or only excuse me only uh, uh, Garrett Westberg and Kyle Kemp pitching uh, last night's game against uh, uh, Memphis. So, you know, one of those guys, probably Kemp, could be available Friday, and then everyone else who hasn't pitched, uh, like a Jack Sinclair, maybe even a Litchfield, could be available uh, for Friday's game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, – the intrigue is get, level is going to be extraordinarily high. Um, uh, heading into this, again, Friday night for UCF, and then we'll just see what happens from there. They're, they're going to have to fight their way back. But uh, like we talked about earlier, if they fight their way into the tournament, maybe it may have to be by playing through Sunday, and then uh, who knows what happens after that. So make sure you follow Black and Gold Bannerette for all the latest. We'll have a live thread up for that game, as well as any other games UCF plays throughout the remainder of the tournament, and we'll be following their progress uh, as the NCAA tournament field um, is revealed as well. And plenty more for you. Make sure you follow us at UCF underscore Bannerette. Follow us each individually at Eric Lopez, Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy, and Jeff underscore Sharon, and also Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. All right, fellas, I'm going to take a nap. For Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Enjoy the weekend in the baseball. <laughs>